Um, okay. So welcome to the Bailey. This is the podcast that is currently commanding a monopoly on your attention. I'm your host, Yassine Maschot. And today's topic is going to be information addiction. Information is what we all love, don't we? I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so eventually this uh, podcast is going to uh, transform into nothing but talking about addictions of the modern world. The origin uh, episode on this topic was the cat girl, super stimuli, whatever it was called. And then the follow-up was the porn addiction. And now we're talking about information addiction. Supposedly the most ultimate form of, ad- of addiction. There's none greater than that. At least that's what they tell me. That's the topic, right? Yeah, yeah. Can it? <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, this dovetails a lot of shit, right? It does. And I think um, we'll, we'll start by uh, discussing one of the terms that apparently someone uh, coined. And also, I'm joined by Neofas, the token Scandinavian, uh, Jason, uh, the Mexican, and uh, Shakespeare. You're back again. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me again. My my pleasure. He isn't a token anything? I don't know if you fit into a token. A Scandinavian, a Muslim, a Mexican, and a what? Walk into a bar. He looks Italian. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go with Italian shakes? Um, you, you can you can put whatever labels on me you like. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll come back to it. The more labels, the more information you give the audience... And that implicitly asserts that information is a good thing by giving them more information about me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you were the first time you joined was at the last episode uh, when we talked about being gay uh, and you were and you were the token gay uh, Trump supporter. Something like that. Yeah, that's that probably squishes you into a small enough box. Uh, all right. So we'll start with, the, I think, a term that it was you that coined it or something like that. It's called the uh, quote unquote instagooning. And the origin comes from gooning which is who wants to be a volunteer and explain what that is <laughs> all right neofos you're it uh yeah uh gooning is the the term for the internet subculture of being being aroused by masturbating instead of the in, instead of any of the actual porn or having sex what you want is to just keep masturbating forever you don't even want to climax you want it to be about you watching porn and being humiliated by it. I think that's a core component. So is this at all related to how uh, porn becomes its own fetish? Uh, yeah, you are fetishizing your own behavior watching porn. And there's a, there's a sort of a humiliation aspect to it where the fact that you're fixated on porn rather than sex itself, that's, that's part of the component, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I okay, think cool. You- I think it's part of like the the BDSM mindset of it all, basically. Okay, so now if we take the concept of gooning and add instagooning, uh, this is the term that you coined, Shakes. How would you describe like that phenomenon? Oh, I I would say first that it was actually coined in concert between Neo and myself. We were playing around with the term and and some other terms, and instagooning is what stuck and. It, it it might be helpful here to explain some of the context of this, which is that we were hanging out. And, you know, as you do when you're hanging out with your friends, especially today, you'll you'll enjoy each other's company for a bit. And then somebody will pull out the phone and, and check Twitter. Somebody will will pull out the phone and check Instagram, check your email, check whatever's going on 
in that other life. Whatever stimulus you have in front of you, your friends, their enjoyment isn't enough. Uh, you go to the bathroom, you bring your phone with you, you have a moment before the movie starts, before everybody puts their phones away, you check Instagram, you check Twitter. And so this idea of instagooning was birthed by the two of us discussing this in real time as we're hanging out with each other and realizing that there's a lot of moments where instead of being in the world, you are just gooning. But the gooning isn't looking at pornography. The gooning is looking at social media. And I think the addition of the word gooning here uh, describes this category that social media has, this property social media has, where it is never-ending, right? There's there's never an end to the news. There's never an end to your notifications. Um, there's, 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 no, there's no end to it. And so instead of, say, living in a world where you have a physical mailbox, the mail comes once a day, you either get your package or you don't. Even if you're a celebrity or a president, there's a limit to how much mail you have, and you have some physical quantity of mail, and then you read it and you're done with it. Um, you have now a digital mailbox. Mail is constantly coming into you. Even if you tell yourself that you're going to be good and you're going to live in the world, you're going to touch grass and you're going to try to disconnect, that digital mailbox still exists out there. You're still receiving mail, even if you're disconnected. You're, you, you might try to be disconnected during the weekend. Your boss might be sending you emails anyways. And so even if you personally are trying to disconnect, you are, in a sense, constantly connected. And Instagooning is about this constant connection. It's about the way that uh, at any moment you might just bring your phone out. You might be looking at your phone, bored, listening to this podcast. You are Instagooning right now, right? Yeah. Pat, pat yourself on the back for all you, all you Instagooners out there. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all doing it all the time. We're all Instagooners now. <laughs> Uh, but the, there's an aspect where it's it's worse than just a mailbox, right? So I remember um, back in the day when Facebook, when you log into Facebook, first of all, it was just like college fellow college students. There were no adults, no gross adults uh, over there. Uh, and the concept of Facebook it was that you would, similar to MySpace, where you had to, you know, quote unquote, go to someone's page to see what they're doing. It's almost like popping by their dorm room. Uh, and then uh, when Facebook introduced the the news feed. That, at least initially, it received a significant amount of backlash because it just felt really invasive and creepy because instead of going, quote unquote, to their room to see, hey, how are you doing? It's more you just get this river of flood that you can dip into whenever. And the core concept with it, uh, I mean, they made changes over it, but the concept was you only had to go to one place and just drink your fill of as much as you wanted and you can keep scrolling infinitely at least like back then it was not necessarily algorithmically sorted it was uh, chronologically sorted so you just keep going back in time until you were bored and of course now with with twitter there's just no end to it and that's a that's seen as a key uh component or a key uh, draw and a key feature right yeah so i i i definitely think this has to do with it. people have called this different things people have called this infinite scroll people have called this uh, doom scrolling and uh, what what I think the term Instagoom captures or what we're trying to draw out here is the fact that this infinite amount of content uh, changes the way that you consume it. Because not, not only 
is there a lot of it, but you you are never done consuming it, right? You can you can click your phone off, and there's going to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, something something that like I have discussed with some of my friends that they've backed me up on is growing up with nine eleven. Uh, uh, you know, as kids having early memories of nine eleven, there was this sense that here was this massive happening, this thing that happened, right? I mean, there's this whole internet meme rooted in like image board 4chan culture of there being a a happening. And now when people discuss the news, we say it's happening. There's there's this idea that something has just happened. And at any moment, whatever you're doing right now, while you're listening to this podcast, something could be happening and you're missing out on it. And so you need to be constantly checking the news, right? This is 24 hours news. This is the thing that CNN invented in the 80s. Uh, 50 years ago, there was no concept of 24-hour news. You get the newspaper. It's it's a physical thing. It comes to your door. Maybe something happened while the newspaper was being written, but you're not going to hear about it until it actually comes up in the news. And so all, all of this, this infinite content, this doom scrolling, I, I, I think um, it ties into this theme of Instagooning in that we are now all gooners. We are all constantly getting off, but there's never a climax. You, no, you know, nothing ever happens. Wait, you're never getting off. <laughs> what are you doing instead of getting off? Yeah, that's the entire point. You, you don't want, you don't want to, to ever get to the final hit, which makes it different from addictions. Like you're addicted to, to you know, smack. Getting the smack is the point. You're done. Good. Now, next day or next hour, you want some more, but you're never done scrolling. There's There used to be tools that made some of the infinite information somewhat manageable. Uh, and the main one that comes to mind is uh, RSS, uh, which you know you would find in uh, nowadays in Feedly and previously in Google Reader. Uh, and it's what lets you, instead of, you know, if you have several blogs that you follow, instead of going to quote unquote the dorm room, you instead put it into your feed and then you get it all at once. There's a difference w- between RSS and what you would see with infinite scrolling uh, nowadays in that RSS was finite. Uh, it kept track of what you read and kind of like put almost, it worked almost like a dam where you didn't have to get drowned into the information. You could dip your toe in and then get out and there you would like leave your mark uh, wherever it was on the river you wouldn't lose track of where your location was. At least like when places like Facebook and even Twitter uh, and so many other sites, Reddit, they started out uh, having implemented RSS. And it was so easy. You just plug in the URL into whatever reader that you're using. And that lets you kind of digest whatever flow of information there was in concrete manner. A lot of these sites have depreciated their support for RSS in favor of the infinite scrolling. And it's unclear to me, I mean, part of it does seem to be driven by wanting to encourage, um, quote unquote, engagement, uh, wanting to make sure that people stick around and make sure that their eyeballs see ads. But I don't know if there's a, there's a desire or demand for it from the users. Well, it it certainly has been created, right? People, people want to Instagram, people want to scroll Instagram for all time. Yeah. And especially now that they show you, instead of just like your friends' photos, they show you a bunch of random TikTok videos, essentially. Yeah, I mean, they've spent a lot of time and a lot of money to make sure that any sliver of attention 
any any slightest want of seeing something, yeah, you, you enter the feed and, and it's served to you. And then it's, you know, combined with some ads or shit. I don't really know how these companies make money. Yeah, so there's this interesting trend. I don't know, maybe interesting is, is a loaded word here that I've noticed on Instagram where, say, somebody will take... Ask Reddit answers, right? We're all familiar with Ask Reddit, where somebody asks a question and then lots of people answer it. And they might do that as text speech. So they make a video of, you know, five Redditors answering the question, what was the best date you've ever had in your life or something like this? And in in the old way of thinking, that would be enough content. Some text to speech of five Redditors describing the best date they've ever had in their life. But in the new model... Uh, oftentimes these videos will be overlaid with extra stimulus, extra super stimuli, so that, say, there's this game called Subway Surfers, which is literally just one of these iPhone games where you point and click one of three different paths in real life. But something like this might be on top of this video of Redditors answering a question, or another common pattern is that they'll, um, they'll have footage of people making really elaborate cakes and pastries at the same time that interview answers are playing from something like an ask reddit and so there's this there's this combination of different stimuli because like like you you have to resist people's temptation to get five seconds in and then immediately change focus to something else do you think that's just a result of um more intense competition for people's eyeballs um, I mean, certainly the competition, you know, it works, right? You put subway surfers on top of a video and it's just suddenly more watchable. So it works. So it is a product of competition, right? Uh, if there had been no competition, I don't know if it would have been invented, but I, I, I think that the fact that it exists and it works is getting at something deeper. There's, there's so much content. There's an infinite amount of content that there's no real way to, to, focus on anything in particular uh when when everything is infinite nothing is finite but i i do think there there's a potential positive uh flip side i don't know if i'm painting this uh too optimistically but um for example there's a streamer destiny who i who i'm very, very impressed with the what he is very short okay <laughs> there's a streamer destiny i'm very impressed with his debate skills and the way he wrangles with his opponents. Uh, that's fun to watch. But generally, a lot of his videos have some other video game that's streaming behind it. Uh, it's almost it's it's like double barreled in some ways, where there's almost not enough to capture your full cognitive load uh, if you're just watching two people talk to each other and wrangle with some some ideas instead you have to have this other thing to fill the gap otherwise you might lose interest and that's generally how i guess like game streaming is talked about where it's just something in the background and it's not necessarily new with the internet culture there's been i think a decent history of people just watching tv while they do something else uh so to me that if i'm speaking personally as well i've also been in the situation where i feel like whatever task I'm engaging in 
uh, isn't capturing enough of my attention and I'm going to be bored unless I'm activating, I'm firing on all four, on all cylinders. So I, I bring up something else that I can, uh, distract myself with. And the perennial example for me is whenever I watch body worn video or evidence for, for work, I need something else to capture my attention because so much of it is boring. So part of me sees this optimistically. This is an indication that people are not fully using their brain or potentially that they're reaching a limit and finding just like that little extra headspace that they're, they need to pack in. Nifas, you were going to say? Yeah, I think the, the parental example here is editing a podcast, which yeah, fucking sucks. for me was a really dull task because you couldn't do something else at the same time because at least the way I did it, it required both hands and you can't listen to something else because you have to listen to the podcast. Both hands? That's what uh, you said? Hmm? You said it required both hands? Yeah, I click. I had shortcuts on one and the mouse on the other, so I both have. <laughs> okay, you know yeah. that's a terrible thing, right? No, I, I fucking hate editing podcasts. It's like the yeah. bane of my existence. I, what back in the day, be. at least like when I was single, I would have Twitter. Uh, I would have Tinder on the other screen, uh, swiping away while I listened to tiny three second clips of everyone and figuring out what the right place to, to snip. What I, what I found out is that what you can do at the same time is to have a conversation with someone. That conversation is constantly interrupted by the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's really rude to the person participating. Yeah, that doesn't but work. the person doing the editing, it kind of works. <laughs> uh, does anyone think I'm talking out of my ass when I say that people are just like trying to fill their cognitive load? Uh, Neil can can jump in here and correct me, but I, I think this was also part of how we were using the term instagooning, in that it's not just that you are now sitting there watching the infinite scroll, but now your behavior is changing because of this, right? So you're talking about destiny. Um, destiny isn't just debating people the way you would debate people to change their point of view. He is debating people within this whole world where he's got a Twitch audience or he's got a YouTube audience and people know people are watching. He, he knows that people are watching him. And so his whole affectation becomes uh, very, very different in that respect. Right. And so you're talking about uh, filling up your own attention span. I think all of this comes back to this idea of instagooning. You're so it, it's not just that you're addicted to the information. It's that the information addiction has warped the way you. Is Shakes kind of cutting off for anyone else or just. Yes. Me? Oh, God damn it. Oh no. Okay, great. Um, Jason, you want to say anything? <clears throat> I think there's an over fixation here on just kind of the, um, you know, the, the act of gooning itself or just doom scrolling. But I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's particularly um, novel or anything anybody's not aware of. I mean, there are, you know, pros and cons to this wicked way, but I, I think there's something, I don't know. I think it's more insidious than is being described in some ways. Um, How? So what I keep thinking of is times when I'm, uh, in a very uh, internet addicted um, 
let's say my phone dies um, or I'm in a position where it's far away or somebody's talking to me and uh, it would be impolite to check it. Uh, I can feel a, a twinge of pain as I, I just think, oh, I want to look at my phone. I want to see if somebody's texted me or if there's something new on Twitter or if somebody's uh, shit posting somewhere. Um, and rationally, I know that, uh, you know, as the person I want to be, I'd rather just be engaged in what I'm choosing to do socially or otherwise. Um, but the, you know, what makes it an addiction is that you're just, you're, you're craving this rush. Um, and we, we could say it's a material issue, you know, maybe there's a lack of dopamine or you, you just need something there. Um, but I, I think it also comes from a sense of, um, people not wanting to be themselves in time. So you're not, uh, you go about your day and, you know, if you were really happy with your day and happy with your life and the things you were doing, you would not be sitting here looking for content. You would just be doing, living the life you'd like to live. Um, or if you have certain problems, emotional issues, uh, things you have to think about, uh, it, it's quite, uh, hellish to just sit there alone with your thoughts for a while. And I, I think the average person, at least as I observe them, they can't really go more than, um, maybe 10, 15 seconds, uh, without just reflexively like the habit kicks in of, oh, I'll check my phone or, oh, I'll go do this or I'll look at the TV. And it's just people are like this all the time. Um, it, it's not like, you know, it, it's instigating is something you do in your downtime or in certain parts of the day. I think that's how it starts, but then it becomes this omnipresent thing, uh, to where you're always trying to escape yourself. And I think the, the masturbation analogy is apt because what you're doing is you're essentially trying to, uh, use the content to, uh, stimulate you. It, it entertains you. It gives you this pleasure and you're basically, you're, you're rubbing yourself, uh, just to uh, relieve some of the pain. You're masturbating because you're bored uh, and you're bored because uh, you're living an empty life. Yeah. Just this. See, if, if you, if you compare this to, you know, 3000 years ago, you go back to ancient Greece. A lot of people wrote a lot about, you know, the, the almost ecstasy they felt when thinking, right? Like the, the immense pleasure of just having a deep conversation or whatever. And these days you walk by a cafe and everyone, like, they're talking with a good friend, but they're still on their phone. They're still scrolling, like, mid-sentence. They just bring up Instagram because have conversations gotten a lot worse? Or is Instagram really so much better that, yeah, like, a, a given conversation just can't compare? You have to scroll a bit as well. You, you just kind of have to. I mean, I do, I do, pre, um, I find a lot that I agree with, with uh, Jason's perspective on this topic. It does feel like a, a sort of escape. Uh, and I apply that to myself whenever I'm in a social situation and let's say I'm not directly in a conversation and I'm just standing there by myself looking around. It does feel very easy and very attractive to just go to a corner and busy myself by checking my notifications on whatever app uh, is of interest at the time. There does seem to be an element of escape um, within that habit. And I think I struggle with, with determining whether or not it's uh, overall healthy. Um, it's not, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have that escape valve. I'm generally very social, as you guys probably know. Uh, when I'm 
in a social situation, I like to take advantage of it and drink from drink my fill from it. But I still have that sense of wanting a tiny break. And it's convenient to have this little tiny escape valve rather than just saying, okay, I'm just going to go home. I mean, not to read into this too much, but uh, I find the wording you just used very interesting to where you're saying, even in a social dis- situation, I would like to drink my fill from it as if it's um, uh, something you eat, something you consume. It's this uh, thing that's been laid out for your pleasure and you're going to use it for your satisfaction until you know you you have enough and you come. Uh, it's uh, And this is... Uh, you know, and I'm not necessarily accusing you of this. I think we're just sort of stuck in this language for various reasons. But well, it why do you like find we, that problematic? Um, well, because it's it's not really distinguishable from uh, pornography, right? It's that uh, we've laid out our lives into certain things of, oh, I'm going to do this because it will make me satisfied in the moment. I'm going to have fun. Uh, but there's no, um, there's no instrumentality to it. There's no... Uh, purpose necessarily, or um, just a, a sense of something beyond um, just uh, being an animal that needs to feel pleasure until it dies. So, um, so your distinction for pornography is whether or not it has a purpose? Um, I'm not really sure I have one necessarily uh, like laid out. I mean, I, I suppose that's part of it. I, mean, I think something about, uh, well, I, I think that's more akin to masturbation, so masturbation is, um, you know, it doesn't produce any kids. It doesn't produce a loving bond. You're just doing this because you're trying to satisfy a certain animal need. And sometimes that's fine and sometimes that's healthy, but uh, largely people just do it because they have nothing better to do. Um, and sometimes it's just Friday night and uh, you say, okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go to this party. I'm going to do this or that. And um Sometimes you can meet wonderful people and make good friends and find relationships and do things that are really meaningful. Um, and most of the time you're just, um, you know, it's just the zone. It, it, it's just pleasure or it's not. And, and that's fine, but there is uh, somewhat of a distinction. So the distinction would be whether or not there's a, an ultimate purpose to it, right? That's what you would focus on? Yeah. I, I mean, I think what I'm really fixated on is just a, a concept of living life that is human or something beyond instigooning. So as uh, when uh, Shakespeare first explained the term to me the other day, um, my takeaway was that he seems to be, it's it's so all-encompassing that you could use this term instigooning to describe everything, everything does all of the time, uh, online or offline, um, just in the way we treat relationships, the way we treat work, the way we treat eating, um, just any facet of life, it becomes this uh, mechanized utilitarian uh, sort of addiction just to clamp down on some animal pleasures and people don't really know what they're living for or why. So can you think of a better framework or at least like a more useful framework? I think this is a useful framework. I, I just think the implication – I think what's necessary is carving out some kind of alternative way to live. Um so I, I think my my suspicion is what has happened is that we have all become such uh, instagoon addicts from uh, – we were raised by people that watch TV all day and uh, then we, we get the internet and this is just the world now. We're just online all the time even if we're uh, 
not on the screen. We're doing things for the internet or with people from the internet or something. And it's difficult to um, imagine a life outside of that. Uh, We think we can, but I, I, I don't really think we have a good conception of what it is to be human and what it is to live a life beyond this. And so instead we just default to this sort of cynicism or that, that that's the wrong word, but it, it's this kind of more narrow frame of the person. Well, it's like, well, I'm doing this and I'm having fun and that's fine because um, anything else outside of that is gibberish that we don't have precise language that we can really uh, tie to anything tangible. So I'm just going to reject that as mumbo jumbo and just enjoy myself. And uh, maybe that's healthy. Maybe that's all we can do. But uh, I like to think that uh, as a uh, human being, I could have a... Um, a life that's more interesting than say a dog's. So what, what would you say is the defining feature um, between what you would describe as like a more fulfilling uh, lifestyle? I don't, I don't know what to, or a, a more fulfilling approach versus what you sort of associate with cynicism, but not necessarily uh, that strongly. Um, Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Uh, I think the short answer would be love uh, which is what a, uh, what a beautiful answer. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> no. And, and love is a stupid word. Uh, we don't have a good, uh, there, there's no good definition of it. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, any, anything it, it's more of a, a thing people say because they're supposed to, but it, it is, uh, it is quite important. There's a sense where, you know, uh, you love your family or uh, you love your wife or something and uh, maybe you can't define it. Um, but it is important to say that and be reminded of it. it. It kind of it points to something beyond itself, and maybe in the sense of mystery, there's something there. But I I, I don't think that would satisfy. What do you mean you. by uh, mystery? Like I, I mean, even just as I said it, you say, "What a beautiful answer!" Because this is a uh, this is a cliche, and it's been uh, you know people point to it to sound profound or deep because precisely because it's empty, precisely because it can mean anything. Uh, and I think we think that because we don't. Uh, we are bad at love as a, uh, as a people, we have bad friendships, we have bad relationships, uh, we have bad marriages. Um, people are generally, uh, miserable and impotent and, uh, living useless lives and, uh, they'll die alone. And, uh, that's, that, that's the issue as I see it. And we, so, I mean, there is an element of, do you, would you agree that you can make meaningful connections, maybe even love through the internet? Yes. Okay. Uh, using so, it in a certain way. Right. But it, not to, not to like get too grandiose about it, but there is an element of gratitude, uh, at least on my end, when I get a ping a notification, it's like, Oh, it's this little message sent across the world, uh, to me or directed at me. And it can be as simple as some anonymous person liked a photo I posted or something more, uh, emphatic, where it's someone that I know that I care about a great deal, potentially that I've never met uh, ever before. And so it's just when you're, li- when you're living your life through uh, in the modern world, you don't, you can't just limit your interactions to your immediate Dunbar uh, limit. Uh, you can't limit it to the immediate 150 to uh, 150 to 230 acquaintances in your re- meet space life. It goes a little greater than that, and it is difficult to keep track of it, who's within your fence and who's outside of it. So this is a way to frame it in a much more positive light. But when you're talking about who excites your attention, who whose ping gets you, makes you happy, 
because you get a little bit of love sent through that message. It can't just be your immediate, uh, the immediate people that you know in real life. It, it has to include some people online, including some of you fine gentlemen. I think we all stole it from Crawford. I don't know where, if he took it from somewhere. The attention economy is super important. And being given a slice of attention is an important part of it. Uh, Shakes and I discussed that when he was here. We, we kind of mock the idea, but it is also true, which is if one of us, if one of us posted something that the other person said and got, you know, the likes and the, the reaction, stuff like that, you, you sort of felt the hole left by that because you want those. You want the, the extremely small sliver of attention that is someone clicking like on something you wrote. It, it, doesn't matter as such, but you could feel it. You, you really want to be, you want to be getting more from the attention economy. And in a way, you're paying your dues by doom scrolling Instagram and just giving likes on things, giving views, even getting a view on a post is getting attention, right? Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, I, I don't like this term. I think it's terribly dehumanizing, but new content creators uh, talk about like their first big video, right? You make your first video on YouTube that gets, you know, over a thousand views. A thousand people has given you the attention of, you know, a couple of minutes. And that in and of itself, it's not about the money. You're not making money yet. It's not about making it a career. It is about just getting attention and getting stimuli and yeah may maybe we are so fragmented that even even the absolute minimal of attention that is someone just reading a post that you made that that's better than what you get in the real world that's that's it's not nothing as they say why would you say why do you say it's better than what you get in the real world well, it almost has to be by definition, right? Because otherwise you get, wouldn't get so hung up at um, You wouldn't get so hung up on it if it wasn't, right? It, it, Not necessarily. It it's possible it's that you're, you're, you're looking at it through a frame of delusion where you um, uh, exaggerate how important it is, right? <sighs> to some extent, yeah. But, but I think... I'm not saying it, that that's actually the case. I just, uh, I'm curious to see how you would uh, build up the case. Uh, yeah, yeah. As, so, as to why it's more meaningful. In, in genetics, right? Um, the shorter you live, the faster you evolve. All the, all the quickly evolving species are those with super short lifespans and those with long lifespans evolve slowly. And in the, in the metaphor to memetics, ideas live for like nanoseconds. Like ideas just blink in and out of existence immediately. The speed of evolution for them is insane. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, the invention of a first radio, and TV, the internet, the speed of which this evolves is outpacing the human brain and the way that the human brain interacted in the physical world so fast that, yeah, it, it is, it is hard to compare, you know, having, having a conversation. In, in meat space with a friend compared to the 
immediate instant gratification of of being an insta i'm posting dunks on twitter you know um to the extent that i mean you look you look at people and even while having conversations they will they will scroll instagram they will post on twitter it is even seen as almost rude to interrupt someone standing on their phone doing doing nothing essentially uh, I, I don't know if that is the, you know, it would be rude in a sense to interrupt someone masturbating. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is right. I mean, you're doing your thing. I can come back later. It's fine. What, what is that on the screen, by the way? Oh my God. You know, it's the same reaction. Yeah. The scale that we operate on is, I think is worth pondering because, you know, it's so it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the amount of stuff out there. And so when anyone gives any of your writing, your your fucking podcast, uh whatever, any sliver of attention, that is by definition meaningful. And I'm here I'm making like the case for you, at least from my own perspective, Mifas, that is by definition meaningful just just by virtue of the sheer intense competition at play. The fact that someone was willing to take time out of their very limited day perusing the vast ocean, infinite ocean of content, somehow they managed to stumble upon yours and give it a nudge of recognition. That is by definition meaningful. And for me, I'm trying to think whether there is a qualitative difference between whenever something happens online versus whenever it happens in real life. Should there be? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think stuff that happens online by now are simply so much more refined. Like than give, your life or or what? Yeah, the, than physical mental space is capable of being. You'd have to give humanity a couple of million more years in order to evolve to the same um attention grabbing level. But ba- basically, I, okay, I'm going to push back on that I'm, because my main question is. If that's true, why would anyone log off? Uh, yeah, because they still have to sleep, right? <laughs> but that's not the only... <laughs> I mean, today I, I spent most of the day just like walking around in the sun and planning out a garden. So my phone was probably like at 3% battery life most of the day. And that by itself was enough uh, to dissuade me from just sitting down. But it, there was something... Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my phone was a three percent. Oh, that's terrible. Oh yeah, I don't. I mean, I, that I didn't care. That was the point. Like, I I didn't bother really charging it. So I go, it's not a big deal. But th- there's clearly, it's not. It's not like a, this uh, one-sided uh, slaughter. Yeah, yeah, because that's also um, like Jason mentioned. Um, I I have a really hard time coining what you do when you instagoon when you when you just scroll a feed. I have a hard time calling it fun because if you observe people doing it they are they are obviously not having fun but it's this weird um it's kind of like gruel it's just this thing that you can like chew on yeah i know a lot of people have written about this like dopamine exhaustion something like that basically everything ceases to be fun and that thing is still not fun, but it is the least not fun 
it's kind of like people playing World of Warcraft and they don't really enjoy it that much, but it's still more fun than doing anything else. I mean, maybe, maybe it's more fun than doing anything else. I think there's, I think it's uh, worthwhile to examine it at the margin. So for example, I spend probably too much time on Twitter. Uh, and a large part of the draw is just this, how it kind of like trickles just enough interest to get you hooked. And you're like, oh, maybe this will be the banger. Maybe this will be the gem that will finally make my attention worthwhile. And it's just this kind of drip, drip feed where it's like, oh, maybe this is interesting. You come across like a video that's like 58 seconds. You're like, oh, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe it's, I'm assuming it's worthwhile because someone posted it. And suddenly there's just like a minute of your life that's gone. And you're not even sure if it was worthwhile from the beginning. And, but you keep going almost like driven by the sunk cost fallacy of finding the next, the next hit. Yeah. You, you're gooning. You, you want to, oh, it's weird because gooning is gooning about eventually getting to the climax or not. Jason, I need your expertise here. I mean, we made up the word, right? I need, um, not me, but you guys, uh, yeah. you can make well, it whatever you want. Gooning is an existing term. And so instagooning is what they coined. And it makes sense because it's etymologically drawing on the existing term. And uh, I, I find gooning rather fascinating. Uh, I mean, the, the, the basic definition is just, you know, masturbation addiction. Um, but there's specifically, there's like a gooning subculture, right? There's like a subreddit and you'll see these things on 4chan and, uh, and they've kind of become uh, right-wing Twitter memes. Uh, but it's, I, I really enjoy it in the sense of it, it's just kind of fascinating that this exists at all because it's people that are, um, you know, they, they are addicted to porn, like the, their fetish, you know, some people like big tits or Asians or getting kicked in the balls or something. And they like to watch videos of it. Uh, Cause that's, that's what gets them off. Whereas these people have gone fully meta and they're uh, you know, my, the thing that gets me off is being porn addicted. And I know that uh, the porn doesn't feel that good. And uh, you know, coming doesn't feel that good. And uh, there's a humiliation aspect tied into this. Um, a lot of it also is tied into, um, at least if you see these gooning things, uh, the thing is like, oh, well, porn turns you gay and you'll start looking at, uh, you know, trans porn and then you're just looking at cocks and then it's just making fun of you. And, oh, you know, you, you like this, you dirty faggot, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's just getting hyper meta to where it's like, you're, um, you know, you're, you're giving up all control of, um, you know, your, your own desires, uh, you're being relieved of the burden of having to want something authentically and totally giving it up to this, uh, stimuli and just letting it carry you away. And then you're getting off on the fact that you're being, uh, destroyed and humiliating, uh, humiliated. And then, um, this feeds into not coming. So these people edge or they'll start to wear like chastity belts. Uh, and then they'll just kind of, uh, they'll stop you know, stroking their dicks all together. And it's just, you know, okay, you fuck your ass um, because that's more humiliating and you're not going to come and you're not allowed to come unless you do it through the ass because you're such a faggot and you really love this stuff. And I talked to shakes about this stuff too much, but it, it's just, <laughs> this is the, um, I was going to ask, are you speaking from experience? Like where, um, what's the methods in this? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do have like a morbid fascination with these things. So, uh, cause I like, I remember I saw this uh, a couple years ago, 
I think there was like a 4chan thread and I was like, holy shit, I'm right about everything. Like this exists. Like, you know, cause I've just been <laughs> telling every, you know, I've just been saying, oh yeah, everything's a porn and this and that. And this is all, um, you know, people don't actually have like fetishes on their own. They're all porn induced and, uh, they're all just picking certain things algorithmically. And this is all just ultimately turning people gay and, uh, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And so to find these people that like, uh, are fully Jason pilled and then like they're getting off on it. Uh, so that the, uh, the machine that's being summoned can eat them. I mean, that's just brought me, uh, indescribable joy just to know that, yes, the, uh, I'm right about everything. These people exist. Uh, and, and now it's like, it, I, I don't know, at least if you're in like esoteric, like right wing circles, like people just throw these words around and it's like, you just, you know what it means. You pick it up by osmosis. But, um, I, I don't think scrolling Instagram is, especially different in principle uh from these uh you know deranged goomers that aren't allowed to come um it's just uh you know it's a slightly more pro-social version of it but that's kind of the end it tends towards of just mindless stimulation to avoid being yourself and then eventually just letting it break you and just being yeah fuck it i don't want to be myself i don't want to choose things just give me the fucking algorithm give me the feed just some of you whatever uh and then you just kind of become the soulless construct uh and then you die it's a sort of death wish yes how you want you want to die and become one with the algorithm can you expand on that that that's what it feels like right it's that's the culmination, you mean? Like the your existence? Yeah, yeah. You want to subsume it? yourself into being. You want the algorithm to control. It's it's basically the Matrix, right? You want mm-hmm. to be in the Matrix. This isn't about choosing the red pill, you know, wanting to live in the real world or whatever. No, you want the Matrix to control you. Uh, I know when when people talked about uh, porn addiction, um, I remember a post about he he didn't he didn't even like porn. He liked Pornhub. Like he was, he was turned on by the idea of searching for the porn that he would use to goon out. And I, I yeah, I, I think it is a kind of um, ego death wish. You don't want to be human. You don't want to have to live your life and have your aspirations and your dreams. You want to just be subsumed by the algorithm. You want, you want to be just be served pleasure and you you don't really want to even you don't want to pick and choose you just want to be on a conveyor belt and i i think yeah you want in some way to die because you don't want to live as a human you want to you want to do the same thing that you know deaf sects in the 60s did except now it's through the internet instead of actually committing suicide who wait who Death sex? Death sex. Uh, you know, suicide cults. What? What is this? I think it's the same thing. The, the same way that you... you Wait, what is people. it? What, do you t- what did you say? Death sex? Death sex. Sects. Oh, God, that's a hard one when I'm tired. Oh, 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 death yeah. sex. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, Foreigners. Yeah, God, I hate them. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. It, I think you just call it, what was it? like? Suicide cults. Yeah, suicide cults is, is the terminology. Yeah. It reminds me of like when my German girlfriend asked me to help her with pie charts, but she said data cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense, but it's it just you know, much more adorable. 
Sorry, I got distracted by death, death sex. <laughs> <laughs> now, basically, Jason is right. Um, okay. But, but the problem is with him being right is that suddenly that's way more dystopic than the way that Shakes and I described it. Yeah, you guys are pussies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> How many of you meditate? I used to. Uh, mm. Now I pray. Very yeah, similar. I tried to. Doesn't work. Wait, wait okay. First, Jason, um, what was the, the shift? Did you get anything out of meditation? And why did you shift to praying? Um, yeah, I got a lot out of meditation, I think, for a couple of years. I also think it kind of fucked my brain up for a while. Uh, you kind of get in these weird, you know, I mean, mostly it was just like, uh, I'm forgetting like the types of meditation, but I would just kind of sit there for, uh, you know, increasingly large amounts of times and just try to focus on my breath. Um, and then eventually you start to kind of see these parts of your consciousness that you didn't see before. And you just get in these weird, like kind of self alienation. And that, I think it made me really depressed for a while. And then, um, a couple years after that, I stopped being uh, such a edgy atheist. I got more into uh, religion. I started talking to this priest, and he kind of went on this whole thing. Uh, he had a like a friend with him, or he was like a priest in training or something, and he was a Chinese guy uh, who was converting to Christianity. And he used to be a Buddhist, and he was explaining to me how, like, you know, well. In, in Buddhism, it's like a, it, it's a death worship. Like they worship nothing. And so in meditation, you know, I mean, the goal is like, you know, like, or the, the goal of enlightenment, let's say it's like, you're trying to get to the state where, you know, you're utterly desireless and you're just one with the void and then you can stop reincarnating. And so it's a complete denial of life. Uh, whereas the, the Christian tradition, and they've been, you know, doing kind of meditative, repetitive prayer for, you know, uh, 2000 years down, various monasteries. And then, uh, the traditions older than that, cause it ties to the Jewish tradition, Greek traditions, et cetera. Um, so it's not really, you know, it's, it's just as developed, if not more so than this Buddhist stuff. And it's very, very similar principles and kind of cognitive conclusions and such, but they insist on just kind of following this mantra to where your attention is not centered on a void it's centered on a thing and that thing is jesus christ and so you're just saying the same prayer over and over again all day and just turning on off all your thoughts and you get very similar conclusions and kind of self-alienation but at the same time it's it's tied to something which is language and your capacity to speak and uh in not in eliminating your desires but aligning your desires with those of god whatever the ideal is and uh you know but they're really not that different but there's all this mumbo jumbo around it but uh, yeah I, I like praying so it's they're they're sort of like meaningfully the same but there's potentially like just a slightly different flavor pretty much yeah i think if you want like the differences i like i think there's substantial differences but like you really have to be like really into it for a couple years uh to get something noticeable out of it uh like in terms of how they differ but otherwise i mean Largely what we get out of these practices is like just very like practical, like chemical stuff. So it's like, you know, you're not being, uh, your dopamine's not being assaulted and you're training yourself to just focus on one thing. And so your attention gets expanded and you kind of detach yourself from your own emotions and learn to just treat them like, oh, I'm feeling this, but you know, I'm doing this right now. So, you know, it trains you to be a more intentional, conscious person that's kind of more aware of their moment to moment phenomenology. And it gives you some time away from uh, screens and social life and just the bombardment of being yourself. It's very intentional. And so, uh, I think for like a modern, uh, liberal per- person who's doing this for utilitarian reasons, uh, I-, I don't think they're that meaningfully different. You have to be kind of a schizo to find the differences. <laughs> and you were saying near Neophos? Yeah. I'm not schizo enough for it. Basically <laughs> I tried to do meditation and I couldn't. 
I, I, what was the stumbling I, block? It, it it is the the shortening of the attention span, if you want to put it that way, like a lot of people have done, right? The 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 need, the addiction for for something to be happening is was so hard for me to to suppress that I, I couldn't do it. I I got distracted by by anything and everything. Um and I felt that I was so bad at learning how to suppress it that I didn't want to keep doing it. Uh I was a couple of years ago. Maybe I would be better at it now. Maybe like Jason mentions, there is there is not really a difference in kind between a lot of meditation and a lot of prayer, but there is a difference in where you are trying to orient yourself, what you're pointing towards. Um and I certainly what, what do you mean that, by that? A lot of meditation, well, like Jason said, meditation is about in many cultures and many religions, uh eliminating yourself from the world. And in in prayer, it is about the world is already filled, um, and you want to join the greater sense of the world instead, in that you want to join Christ. So there is an aspect of me that just wants to avoid this trajectory if it's like yeah we're having a podcast about informational overload now let's talk about meditation and how it can solve everything yeah Uh, basically yeah (laughs) it was more my curiosity about how your philosophy meshes with that approach given the topic that we talked about not necessarily be like it's all right guys like we we fucking fixed it we fixed the we found the solution to informational overload you just (laughs) unplug and you know listen to sam harris for 10 minutes a day or whatever it feels like a little too facile to to like get on that note, and that wasn't that yeah. wasn't my intent. I think the unplugging part is is weird. Plugging in is a thing that you also do, and it is it is a super strong phenomenon. I haven't had a smartphone for very long. I bought my first smartphone two years ago. I was really late to the party, and and damn son, I, I get it now. Like the Pavlovian, the Pavlovian sense of of the phone. Like the phone, I have different. Um, I don't know if everyone has that, but I have different call signals for you know a a messenger or a an actual phone message or Discord notification or stuff like that, and I respond to them in different ways, and I feel like a dog. Why do you feel like a dog? I I have been trained by by the machine in my pocket to. Like you get a you get a notification and you're like, oh, maybe it's you know, maybe it's my friends. That'd be nice. My friends are caring. They want to give me some attention. That's good. That's nice. But I know that a lot of it is also just the feed, basically. Yeah, there's like an uh, Jason. You wanted to say something. I'll yeah. Oh, um, I, I was just going to say that uh, I think the fact that meditation seems facile is actually, uh, I think it's a reflection of the instigating culture. Uh, and I will specifically pick on Sam Harris. Uh, and I, I actually, I mean, I kind of like Sam Harris, right? But I, I think the fact that we like Sam Harris is sort of um, uh, disgusting um, in that he's, <laughs> he, he, he packages uh, meditation in sort of these um, – he, he packages this and tries to sell it to you essentially. And, you know, like, let, let's say if you're the, the typical meditation enjoyer, well, 
you know, you, you, you like Sam, you're consuming his content and you find the meditation subreddit and you learn the ways to do it and you buy a little thing to sit on. And now it's a, you know, it's a part of your routine. And then you can tell people all about, Oh yeah, you should really meditate. Oh, it's so great. And I've been doing this and, uh, you know, I'm reading these books on Buddhism and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, you're just, really uh, been finding myself lately. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not really different from, uh, you know, just getting really into like, uh, fucking, uh, what is it? My little pony or something, you know, it's like, I think we treat everything in terms of, uh, something to be, uh, consumed and collected and told about. And, you know, and that's not even inherently a bad thing that doesn't make the meditation not work. I think largely what's good about it is just you're intentionally staying away from the screen. Uh, you're just not watching the TV You're staring at your phone for a couple minutes. And, uh, that's a very good thing to do. Uh, for anybody, regardless of kind of the pathologies around it. But, you know, e- even then it's still, it, it becomes this uh, obnoxious social identity that's ultimately tied into the, the uh, instagooning industrial complex that you can't escape um, unless you're a very uh, uniquely actualized person. And then you start like picking up his affect where you, you're like, now we're talking like in a podcast and you must consider like looking at yourself. <laughs> I mean, he, I, yeah, I like the way he speaks. His performance, yeah. Right? I mean, it's It's comforting. Yeah. Uh, you only can say like three words at a time or, or something like that. And then you pause. No, I mean, he's very eloquent. I think more people should speak like him. Yeah. But um, like his, his like meditation, I'm just like outing myself as, mm-hmm. as a, a waking Gooner. up, <laughs> yeah, a waking Gooning. up user and uh, oh. <laughs> how he talks. Look for what's looking. You know, that sort of thing. What does that mean? Yeah, I, I wish I, I could figure that out. I don't get it. I just skipped to the next episode. <laughs> uh, there is an aspect of whether or not this is a general, generational thing. Um, well, I've, I've had to block my dad on social media so much because I would he would just nonstop send me DMs, like direct messages about some dumb video that he saw. And I would have, I would have to tell him, look, I've turned off my notifications for this kind of bullshit. Stop sending me DMs. This is just a waste of my time. Just post it on your feed. If I feel like it, like I'll go look at it, which means never. But he doesn't stop. So I've had to block him on like Facebook and then he starts sending me on WhatsApp and then I block them on that. And I don't, he's in his seventies. God, you're so mean. I look, I've told him I've, I've set my boundaries and I've, I've enforced those boundaries. I don't think that's mean. But this guy is in his seventies and he doesn't, you know, it's not like this, he's not like a, a fucking Gen Z millennial or whatever, uh, that suddenly discovered TikTok. So this can apparently like everyone's susceptible to it. I think I talked about this on the, uh, super stimuli, the cat girls episode, but I gave the anecdote of, uh, my grandmother who, um, I think, you know, for the past maybe 10 years, uh, she's gotten addicted to, um, fake slot machine games on her iPod or uh, her iPad and they're done they're, they're with fake money and the money's constantly inflated uh so for like you know it's not even like you get some sense of how much money you've made relative to this fake economy and you can spend real money to buy more money but she's just she just likes to smoke cigarettes and sit at the table and just keep clicking the button so that the the fake slots can come up and she'll just do this hours and hours and hours a day um, every day until uh, she gets sick and dies. 
and uh, it, it's it, it's heartbreaking and it's a, it's a waste of a life. But then it would be kind of cruel to take this away from her once she's already addicted. You don't want to guilt her or shame her because it's like, what the fuck else is she going to do? She's old and she's in pain. Uh, but it it is just like uh, you know, it's a it's just like this uh, kind of some animal hooked up to uh, a machine to keep it alive and the sense of uh, pills and, you know, uh, fucked up surgeries and your mind's going. And then you just, uh, here's this thing to jerk you off. Uh, so you won't be in so much pain until you go. And uh, at that point you might as well just be dead. I, I think the older generations are often more susceptible to this because if you're younger, you can kind of get some self-awareness and just build up some sort of mimetic defense mechanisms. Whereas if you're, uh, you know, you, you grew up in time where um, they, you know, they didn't really have TV and uh, everybody's starving and, you know, you just don't, uh, you've grown up on much uh, less intense stimuli so that you can very easily fall into these traps and never escape them. Uh, and this isn't universally true, but it, it, it is a danger in the older folks. Yeah, I didn't think about it from like the the standpoint of inoculation, but yeah, I mean, both my parents are just fucking addicted to Facebook and WhatsApp. That's all they do with their day. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know what they would do, what else they, <laughs> what better option is available to them. They could like uh, spend time with their children. They could uh, cultivate well, hobbies. All their children fucking moved out and abandoned them. So uh, yes. And uh, they block them on WhatsApp. So I mean, yeah, I know. Like how fucked up is that? What, yeah, how, yeah. how do you maintain a relationship with your child once they blo- you blocked you on social media? Well, I mean, <laughs> not to, not to sound too harsh, but this is why I brought up love: is that uh, there are certain social structures in place. I think the fact that we all move away from our families is uh, by far the most corrosive, and nobody talks about it. And we do it for good reasons because our families are insufferable, and we want to go make money. Um, but you know, and because- also have sex with people. Yes, uh, so but because uh, we're not stuck with them, then you know, just the, 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 there is no family really the way it used to be. You don't have that uh, relationship to where okay, you're stuck with these people and uh, you hate them, but well, it's your dad. Uh, you know, you, you're going to choose to love him anyways, and you know, you kind of it, it, you you can build something much healthier in this. Uh, whereas now, I think it's very beautiful that we can talk to each other from far away. It's it's a miracle that we have all these uh, great technological gifts. And I think if we were healthy enough, we could, you know, it's good that people can see their grandparent or their grandchildren on Zoom or whatever. Uh, that that's all great. But uh, you know, I think largely we instagoon because we're just the um, the the material structures of our lives are inherently antisocial, uh, so we just don't have anything better to do with our time. We're not uh, living in a you know Seinfeld where people are just barging into this apartment and just doing things all hours and uh, dating models all day. Uh, you know we, we we can't do that, so we we goon. Um, <laughs> uh, for the record, I do. I, I talk to my mom like every day uh, by video. Which is such an amazing technology to yes, you know, to really absorb uh, the ramification of. We talk for, I don't know, five, ten minutes almost every day. Uh, and she's funny. I enjoy talking to her. And she'll remind me when if I miss a day. And she relayed to me, I think it was probably like 30 years ago, where she, one of her friends, this was when she was living in Morocco. One of her friends in the United States, uh, they lost a family member. And as is the tradition uh, you call it tanezi in uh, in uh, Moroccan. It's just paying your respects to someone. You ensure that mm-hmm. you call them. So my mom went to the fucking post office 
which is the only place that you can make an international call. Uh, and she waited in line for two hours and spent the equivalent of something like $100 to make a two-minute call to this woman that just lost someone. So just the, the, the scale at how much things have improved and allowed me to meet so many people uh, across the world, there is a cost to it, uh, obviously, but it's just the sheer potential that has magnified the ability to what I think make meaningful relationships with people. I mean, I met my girlfriend on online. I would never have met her because she lived in the fucking suburbs before she, you know, figured her shit out. Uh, but I never would have met her otherwise. For me, I'm more overall like more optimistic about the bombardment of of options available. It's just a matter of figuring out how to set up your own filter. I think that's very beautiful. And uh, I also, you know, I, I'm being hyperbolic here. I don't want to sound too cynical. I, I don't think it's good to wallow in the the doomerism. Like, uh, ultimately, if this uh, conversation is to be anything um, beyond just more stuff for people to jerk off to, um, it should be something that helps people and finds a way to, uh, you know, work with the realities of what we have as best as we can. But I think the example of your mother, not to get like too personal, but I'm, I'm just going to abstract this out. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. But that that custom there, that loyalty that she's showing to uphold the social tradition of, okay, I, I have to call this person and uh, it's very important to me that I do. Um, these social structures, uh, they emerged in a pre-technological society where people were all kind of stuck together and you had to have uh, great loyalty to the family just out of practical uh, evolutionary incentive uh, structures that people aren't necessarily aware of, but that's what, you know, these things had to keep existing and, uh, you know, going on as successful strategies by definition or else something else would outcompete them. So we have these norms of love and loyalty and charity uh, precisely because uh, families without those tend to uh, dissolve and make less money and they just don't cohere. We do, we do these things for a reason. And because these norms were in a pre-technological um, place, uh, I think it's very easy for us to take them for granted. And I, I don't think they will all uh, be erased, right? But, you know, you just think of like, uh, let's say people immigrate uh, to America, right? Uh, from you know India, China, whatever. Uh, the first generation immigrants, uh, they have these uh, familial cultures. They pull their money together. Uh, people will work, um, you know, shitty jobs illegally to you know get something together just so their kid can go to college. And the kid is taking great care of their parents. And then they have a kid, and the kid is a little more Americanized. And by the third kid, it's just it, it, it's indistinguishable from a white person, and they're doing white people things because it's high status. Yeah, it's and, fucking uh, over at that point. Yes, and I, I think this is a major danger because I think uh, you know, I think if we're to be good people, we should all be more like your mother. Uh, but if we're all on the phone all day, uh, just collectively, we can individually choose to uphold these structures because we find them beautiful or we care about people. But it, it, in the aggregate, this stuff does uh, it it erodes. There's no longer the uh, selection pressure to make you be a good friend, a good family member. Um, the selection pressure is to be a good goon or a good consumer. And so we just do that. Yeah. There is a, I guess the absence of intentionality, uh, behind a lot of the structures that we, well, what I mean is that there, there is a requirement for more intentionality behind the structure because we don't have a default to, uh, to fall back on. Like normally the foundation would just be already created by just the dynamics that we have, the relationships that we have with our, with our friends and families. But 
absent that, we have to do it on our own. We have to direct the direct the journey, so to speak. Yeah, I, I don't know what force is acting on which one, um, but if if you look at the concept of of a soulmate, right? You're looking for a partner that you you really click with, and in the olden days, which isn't that long ago, uh, yeah, you pretty much had a you know a choice of what ten women. You didn't have that that many options, basically. So you pick one and you stick with it, and that that was it, basically. And now you have this this almost infinite feed of of potential partners, and you can meet a lot of them, yes. Um, but I think by virtue of having so many, you will, to an extent, choose them less than if you only had, you know, a couple. Because I mean, you can, you doesn't, can. Doesn't that make the choice more meaningful? In a sense, yes. It, it is a very, very deliberate choice these days to pick a partner. Because uh, from from you know the infinite feed, I picked this one for for reasons because she's the hottest or she's the most interesting or whatever. It's a very intentional choice, and I don't know if it leads to more quote unquote soulmates than before. Maybe your intentionality isn't important. Your choices are all stupid. And the important part is sticking by people, in which case it is terrible. I think if you get rid of the assumption or at least the implied assumption of there being a single person out there for you as as a soulmate, if you get rid of that, then then yeah, it does make it more meaningful that you choose anything. Uh, I yeah. mean, it's a parallel to the fact that anyone's listening to this dumb podcast when they ha- they could listen to whatever else that's meaningful listening to Sam Harris yes exactly yeah you're not listening to Sam Harris right now whoever you are person <laughs> uh, miss person audience you're listening to us when you could be doing something else like that that makes it so much more meaningful like fuck you Sam Harris I'm winning right now that's that's great <laughs> <laughs> and I think about like okay like. For the record, like uh, Mr. Shakespeare hasn't been with us this whole time. We, we haven't killed him. He just got uh, disconnected. But I was thinking, I, I don't know who, who said this, but uh, I, bring, I bring my phone to the bathroom. Does anyone else? Yes. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's a universal trait. And if I was to introspect, why do I do it? A lot of it is just, part of it is just like my busy schedule. I have my day job, I I write, and then I have a podcast and I have friends that I have to meet with and like phone calls with my mother every fucking day. And me, it's just me like trying to cram in as much shit as possible in my shits. And I even got like a a shower speaker so I can listen to podcasts when I'm in the shower. And it feels like this hyper-efficient structure that could potentially lead me to go crazy. But I don't know. It feels like just the tools, just what you have to do to deal with the avalanche. Or am I thinking about it the wrong way? No, I think there's certainly like you can live life with more intentionality than ever before. You can pick and choose basically every second of your attention, what you want to spend it on. Like, you know, if you lived in a village 600 years ago, yeah, most of the time there is nothing, 
So you'll have to make do with whatever there is. Yeah, you go down to the tavern or whatever and listen to Bob tell his sewing Yeah, or maybe it's fucking winter and there's like six feet of snow outside and you can't even go to the tavern. Yeah. Yeah, there's your mom and your dad and your sister. And you don't want to fuck either of them today. So (laughs) what can you do? Okay, look, we we need to keep this like an international audience. You can't just like bring in the Scandinavian <laughs> norms and assume that everyone follows them. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, you were stuck in your house with your family during like a long, cold winter. I'm from up north. It's really easy, even in modern times, to be stuck inside a house. But today, you can have a lot of intentionality with everything you do. Like, I want to spend these moments, you know. Uh, listening, listening to podcasts or talking to these people or uh, looking for potential dates or stuff like that. So uh, there, there is, there is a really arrogant assumption about you know some people having the power to be responsible for this. Some people can can wield all of this information and turn it turn it into something good, and most can't, and they're just consumed by it instead. And given infinite choices, they will pick none. And they will just lie on the conveyor belt and be fed the slop and carry on. But the 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 perfect man, the ultimate man, he can he can make a lot of that because you have all the these choices and he can make good ones. So I think you can live with a ton of of real meaningful intentionality. But it is hard. So most of us met posting on the Mott. If you were to introspect, what would have been your motivation for writing anything on such like a tiny niche community? Yeah, I didn't post on the Mott. Okay, never mind. We'll skip you. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I don't even know how you got in here. I just filled in a form. Yeah, I know. I should, <laughs> should have had like higher entry fee or whatever. I just walked up across along the street and you know it was a sign. We are hiring. Like, yeah. cool, yeah, walking here. Hmm. <laughs> Jason? Um I'm thinking about something Neofos said earlier about how being online and you know posting something and getting attention uh is better than what you can get in real life. And he was trying to present this as a tautology in the sense of um well if it wasn't better, you wouldn't be doing it. And I think that's true to some extent. Um, I, I think it ties into something. Uh, there was a Scott post like fucking 10 years ago uh, where he said, like, I used to think that uh, I didn't like people. Um, and then I started meeting rationalists. And then I realized that uh, I don't like people who aren't fucking awesome, I think was his like exact quote. And this is very uh, <laughs> kind of dated and cringe, whatever. <laughs> but you know, I, I think there's something to that in the internet in that, um, you know, when we were stuck with the people around us, um, we were forced to appreciate them more. And if you're a, you know, fucked up autist uh, who really likes uh, arguing with people about, you know, airy nonsense, um, you know, you, you could seek out certain people around you and there would be kind of social structures in place to sort you into them or find them or group activities you could do. And this still exists. Um, but the internet gives you so much freedom of, you could just fall into a subculture and find your people. And then you're seeing your, your people. And it's like, wow, uh, these people are just like me. They really get me. Um, I fucking hate everybody I've ever met. Uh, cause they're not this, 
uh, and like the things I talk about on a regular basis, uh, mop posting or, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, it's things that would be totally unintelligible to any person I've ever met outside of, you know, very rare encounters. And I, I think there's something in that that, uh, I mean, not to get like too schizo, but like the internet, because it gives us this uh, kind of amalgamation of all people and this uh, infinite stream, which we're, well, we're calling it infinite. I don't think it is, but I'll say that later. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're getting this big stream as we all merge into this one universal consciousness. And I, I think there's something here in the distinction between the universal as in things that are just eternal and true and good forever. And uh, the contingent, which is just the things that happen to be in you and your shitty body and all your flaws and uh, all the people around you and the shit place you grew up in and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, to exist in the world, you have to exist in a specific place in a specific time and be a specific person. And you're not going to be perfect. Uh, you're not going to be the exact ideal because such things just don't exist. And part of this is uh, resigning yourself to it and affirming it. And I think we we escape into this universal void to kind of try to bridge that as some kind of God complex. Uh, the Mott especially, um, you know, you go on there and uh, it's the only – well, I think it's shit now, but it used to be pretty good like four <laughs> years ago. Uh, and uh, back then, it's like, wow, these are like uh, the, the smartest people in the world and they're having very civil, interesting conversations and uh, – you know, and then I started like meeting these people because I thought like, oh, these people are all like fucked up uh, autistic losers that post all day, and uh, probably half of them are, uh, and uh, <laughs> the the rest of them are actually like they're highly successful, very uh, interesting people, uh, living healthy, full lives, and they're engaging in this anyways because they would like oh, to. Um, you're welcome. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's better than what you can get around you. It was, oh shit, my mic fell, but uh, for time, it was just it was the best space around if you're uh, just above a certain intelligence and autism level to be alienated by normal people, then these are your people now. And then you can start replacing the people around you with these uh, internet people and uh, and you're so happy and it's beautiful. So I mean, it gets to a question that I, uh, I've been pondering. So for the record, I still like the mod. Uh, my question is more, Simp. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. The, you know, if I ever write anything, I, I I tend to go down these fucking rabbit holes. Like when I wrote "Consider the Hand Axe," which is about AI, I probably mm -hmm. spent three hours watching YouTube videos of fucking archaeology professors showing Based. how to make stone tools. Yeah, it was pretty sick. But why do I? Why do I need to fucking know any of this? That's that's the question. Like, it's there's definitely like an erudite veneer. To all of it it's like oh check me out i'm like the the gold star dinner party guest that can talk about stone tools for three hours if you if you feel like it but what does it accomplish and there is like if i boil it down it's useless information i don't need it it doesn't necessarily advance any of my material goals uh i could just focus on my job as a public defender and fuck everything else so it's almost like preening in a sense that I spend so much time accumulating all this useless information. And I don't know if I can really justify it except this vague adherence to the wonders of the universe of our existence and this inescapable pull to, to drink my fill from that, from that trough. Is there anything else that, that can justify it? 
because that that gets at a core of of that gets at an important question on this topic, and I think one that perhaps like all all of you would have some familiarity with. Why bother with absorbing all this information that's so objectively useless? Yeah, no, you have to. I mean, every single story ever told about humanity, like you don't want to live your life only doing what you need. You want to have the moments of doing, quote unquote, what you want, which is often the useless stuff. You know, taking a swim in a river, going on a hike, small stuff, whatever. And you can do that, you know, yeah, watching people talk about stone axes on YouTube, that's certainly part of the flair of living, so to say, (laughs) the wonders of the world. I think, essentially, I I know that we love the word, and we use it in a lot of of context, but essentially, the internet is making people autistic, in that they, they laser focus on certain subjects, and you can, you can focus on them forever. And the, the autism makes it hard to focus on the on the irrelevant parts of life. Like, like if I take a personal anecdote, when I started to study the Bible, you know, I could go to church and my church is quite small. It has like 400 people in total, something like that. There probably won't be a lot of great theologians at my church. I can talk to some people and they might know some things about the Bible. Some of them have even read it, you know, but I can go online and I, I can read you know, not only all the history's greatest ones, but all the contemporary greatest thinkers on the topics. And there's certainly a lot of that when you when you go online with intentionality, when you want to, you know, drink your fill of this feed of infinite information, you can certainly find a lot of beauty in it. You can find a lot of meaning uh, and, and joy in it. It is just so hard not to get swallowed up. Is what I think. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, really? You end up with a, a head full of useless trivia. Yeah, it, the, the worst that can happen is you spend your entire life gooning, never getting beyond useless trivia. Or I, I don't even know, like, if you take the the top attention consumer on Instagram, like cooking videos where people, you know, just chop shit up in weird ways, like, I don't get Instagram cooking but they like boil eggs in a rice cooker. That's not even trivia. It's not, it's not, not anything. It's just stimuli. I okay. think that's the, that's the worst case scenario. So as long as your like information diet is erudite enough to give you a veneer of respectability. And as long as you orgasm once in a while, you're fine. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yeah. If you have a point with it, basically, if you are, consuming information with the intention of coming, then it's probably fine. The problem is gooning. Okay. Hmm. All right. I, I mean, I, I would go a, a step further. I think um, if we're going to stick to the metaphor, coming itself is uh, maybe that's a step above edging. Um, but uh, in the context you of- You should be aiming for pregnancy. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you want children. Uh, it should be pointing beyond itself to something that resurrects you and lives forever yeah so so the the difference would be you know just consuming videos on on people boiling eggs in weird ways 
versus, you know, reading about stone axes to better make a point that you want to argue about AI, <laughs> uh, which is in some, in, in, in some way a, a child of yours, right? Like you have this idea, you want it to, to mature, you want it to reach other people. That is, is part of conception. Right. But it's just too easy to, to create these self-serving narratives that gratify your, your own approach. It's like, oh, I'm fine because I read about stone tools, but you wasted, <laughs> you wasted your time by watching boiled egg videos. Yes. Russell conjugation is very important here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, that's where the, that's why we use the term info porn, which isn't, uh, you know, it's like instagooning, but a little less uh, severe, but, uh, there is a sense where, um, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm definitely more uh, cynical about the value of these uh, online intellectual pursuits than uh, most, uh, especially lately. I can't really see a point to it. But I mean, just to not be so blackpilled, I, I, I do think that uh, the the bar of thought is very low, and people are very poorly educated, and uh, the universities are going to shit, and um, somebody there has to be some group of people that's thinking about things, um, even just to preserve the knowledge so that maybe later generations can get somewhere useful or just to understand our time and uh, see it contextually. And yeah, that might be uh, useless. I mean, it might uh, it might get you some status or get you laid or something if you uh, really know how to apply it in certain circles. But yeah, largely uh, you are just gooning. Uh, but it, I, I do think like uh, Neophosis or one of you was talking about the uh, like ancient authors describe like the ecstasy of thought. And I think I've experienced this. I was on uh, a lot of uh, uh, stimulants at the time, but I, you know, it's, you could sit down <laughs> and like autistically drill down on this uh, arcane knowledge that's totally alien to you and really fixate on every little point and distinction and just, just get hyper aware of like, uh, I, I really want to think, I don't want to consume this. If I don't understand stuff, like just, just mine it for all it's worth. And if you really sit down and study and think, there's a class of thinking, I think it's something like you're thinking with intentionality to where it's like the, the, the thoughts aren't just appearing in your head. You yourself are like, one with the conscious speech generator and you're uh, actively speaking these novel things into being that aren't just like random associations that you're getting contextually on day to day. Like, oh, I, you see a dog and then you start thinking about memories of dogs and it makes you think of this or that. Uh, there, there's a there's a passive way to think and there's a, there's a very active one that I think requires uh, a good deal of um, sustained attention and discipline and... Um, training essentially that people can access but if you're just passively uh consuming this information for other purposes it's very easy to get into uh certain traps to where um your autism which could be uh weaponized and become something very instrumental and beautiful uh just becomes a way to um satisfy itself i'm obsessed with this thing for two weeks uh because i just happen to be and it feels good and then a day later uh you're going to be on to the next thing and you're not going to give a shit you're never going to think about this thing again and then you'll just have all this random trivia knowledge about uh axes or byzantium or whatever and uh you know and then you get annoyed that uh you uh you talk to your girlfriend who loves you and cherishes you and gives you gifts and remembers things and uh you know tries to really know you and uh, appreciate you and you start talking about Byzantium and she's like uh, oh was that World War II and you think god this dumb bitch 
this dumb fucking bitch. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm fuck her. I'm going to go somewhere else. And, and she loves you and you don't because, um, you're, uh, and she is instagooning about ways to wrap up gifts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then she goes on TikTok and he, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, thankfully I, I picked the right topic to weaponize with regards to stone tools. So I'm ready for the coming apocalypse. Yeah. That's based. I know. It's fuck cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, I'm going to wrap it up. If you've listened to this far, thank you. Gooner. For, you know, yeah, thank you for helping me fuck over Sam Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.